Hallelujah. What a blessed, blessed Friday night. Thank you, Jesus. Can I borrow a little... Are they bringing it? Okay, cool. Thanks, brother, man. How's everybody doing? Blessed? <laughs> Tired, but blessed, right? For the, some of us who were here earlier today, I hope that you had a great time in the morning session. Worship team, you guys rock, man. God bless you all. Thank you so much for using your gift for the benefit of the kingdom. Um, I have a very specific assignment tonight. It was not something I'd planned to talk about, but the Lord has been leading me to this territory, so I want to obey. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is our breakthrough conference and our breakthrough weekend, and um, the emphasis this weekend has been uh, the leadership call, the call to leadership, and that has been the center of our conversation. It started last night. I thank God I got the opportunity to speak last night because after my flight was delayed, I thought I wasn't going to be able to make it. I arrived at DFW just as service was starting, and I had to wait for my luggage, and then I had to go and get a rental car, and then I had to drive all the way here. Those of you that were patient enough to wait, thank you. I had a wonderful time, and I believe it laid a foundation for our weekend. This morning, with those that came at 10 o'clock, I, I, I pray that you were blessed. I was blessed sharing the material that I shared with you. And, um, and, and, and right now, we, we, we're seeking for the Lord to reveal the keys of breakthrough, the breakthrough that uh, you've been praying for and fasting for here as a church. How many of you are here tonight that are not from Zion? This is not your home church. You're visiting. God bless all the visitors. Thank you for showing up. Amen. That spoken word was powerful, brother. That was on point. And I, I pray that you're blessed by our time together here. And uh, uh, you're here for a purpose. Amen. I want to speak for a little bit, then I think I want to pray for some people tonight, however the Lord will lead. And so let's see how we can go ahead and do this. And I want you to begin in the book of Genesis, please. I want to show you something real, real quick. Chapter 2 of the book of Genesis. We want to share some secrets of how God does what he does um, with the hope that we will learn how to do what we are supposed to do. Is that okay? All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Genesis chapter 2 from the beginning and then I'm going to go down to um, to verse 10 as we headed toward verse 15 but I want to just get some some context. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. I'm in verse 1 right now and all the hosts of them and on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work. Now this is what the Bible seems to imply that after on the, on, uh, by day seven the Lord had completed his work. Sounds good, right? God had completed his work. But what we're noticing though is this, is when God had finished his work, man's work was just beginning. Where God ended, the man had to begin. Are we okay? God's day off, it's day seven. But we were now supposed to pick up from where he had left off. And everything, good to see you my brother, and everything that God had, had created, he left it not completely done. Because it was supposed to be man's work to carry on the work that God had begun. 
So everything that God gave was what we might call in the form of raw materials. If you read prior, from the beginning of the chapter, it tells us how four rivers ran through uh, Eden and uh, one of them went to the land of Avila and in that land there was gold and behold, the gold was good. And another river, Tigris, and another river, Pishon, and another river, Euphrates. It tells, tells about these rivers that ran through Eden and they revealed where God had hidden some treasure. But God did not go and dig up that treasure. That was now up to mankind to go ahead and bring out the best of what God had already created. Most of us, when we imagine Eden, we imagine it as a perfect, beautiful, amazing, and all this. But what we begin to find out about God was this, that he left the job partially done because he wanted man's involvement in the work from that point on. I'll explain what I'm saying. Now notice this. If you read on from verse 2 and you get to verse 5, it says, when no bush of the field was yet in the land, no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. So we see that the earth had been left with some work still needing to be done. But that work could not be released until God sends the rain. But that rain could not be released until there was a man to till the ground. Everything God wants to do on this planet, he wants to do in partnership with humanity. The problem with the church, with our prayer meeting sometimes, is we expect God to do all the work. So what we call prayer meetings is us sending God to do stuff for us. Lord, go into my neighborhood. And the Lord says, the last time I checked, I told you to go. Lord, I want you to touch my father with the gospel. And the last time I checked, I told you to speak to him. The dilemma of a lot of our time that we spent, I've been in prayer meetings where all we were doing was sending God on errands. Sending God to do what he told us as his church to do. The Lord rested. His work is done. As far as this planet was concerned, he finished all his work. I prepared the ground, I made the ground, I put raw materials, I gave you all the ingredients you need to become better. Now you work it. I'm resting. He lives in the eternal seventh day. Now watch this. Are we okay? Verse 15 now. And the Lord took the man and put him in the garden to work it and to keep it. So there was a twofold assignment. Man's first assignment was to cultivate. That's the word that was used. And what's interesting about that word in the Hebrew is that it's the Hebrew word avoda. It's the same as the, as the Hebrew word for worship. That's the word that they use for worship. Avoda is work and worship. And one begins to wonder, what does that mean? How can work and worship be the same thing? Because worship is not a song. Worship is ascribing worth to God. And God is most glorified when the genius he put in you is put to a task. And as you use the mind of God, you show forth the genius of God through the work of your hands. Never belittle the work of your hands. The most sacred thing you do is work. Amen. Are we okay? I didn't say the most sacred thing you do is to have a job. I said the most sacred thing you do, do is work. Job has got to do with your sustenance. Work has got to do with your purpose. You were not born here just to occupy space for 40, 60, 90 years and then go 
No, 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 no. You were born here because there was a problem you were born to solve. There's a work that exists on this planet that you have been equipped to solve. When God wanted to activate man, he gave him work to do. Name the animals. Lord, can you name them? Yes, I can. I can name them all in one breath. Why are you asking me to do it? Because it's your purpose. I will activate you by giving you the assignment to release what I put in you. How will all of creation know that you are made in my image, in my likeness, when you cannot solve a problem, you cannot make anything better, everything you touch crumbles, you are giving me a bad reputation? How do I glorify God? It's not by saying praise the Lord. You know, David and Stotham, that's not glorifying God. That's just saying David and Stotham. The true glory that I give to God is when the solution he gives me like Joseph begins to solve a problem until people ask, how do you know how to do that? And I say it is because of God's equipping. My work has become my, my agent of worship before God. How do you know that you're worshiping? When like Daniel, I can solve a problem and I can tell the king, give me some time with my God and I'll bring back a solution for your problem. Daniel chapter 2, verse 20. For it is God who gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that have understanding. And I solve a problem until the boss and the king in the area says, surely in this region, only the God of Daniel. What is that? That's worship. What do you mean worship? It's the work that reveals the genius of God. The work of your hands. It means that you and I as the children of God have an anointing to produce a quality of work that provokes conversation about God. When they see you work and they see you solve a problem, it should bring them to a conversation about God. You are too young to know what you know. How do you know that? It is God who gives wisdom to the wise, knowledge to them that have understanding. There is not a single thing God has asked you to do that he has not prepared an anointing to help you to accomplish it. Not a single thing. When he says have dominion, the spirit of God exists to help you get dominion. When he says cultivate the garden, what, first of all, cultivate it. That term cultivate means make it better. If you touch it, it must not deteriorate. To, to cultivate and to keep means what? I preserve what God has given me. It doesn't de de degrade under me. But I then take it to another level. I make it better. That has been the calling of everyone. What happened when Abraham got to Palestine? It was a desert in a drought. What happened when Abraham lived there? It became a lush land and rivers flowed in the wilderness. Why? His job was to make it better. What happened when Joseph was in Egypt? Egypt began to get into a hunger. But what happened by virtue of Joseph being there? Egypt was well fed in the time of famine because of the presence of Joseph. What happened when Isaac got in the land? There was a drought in the land. But what happened because Isaac got there? Isaac planted in the famine and he got a hundredfold harvest in the middle of a drought. Why? Our job is to make things better. And the anointing upon our life is that the, the anointing of God, the presence of God must become, if you touch it, it must be better. How many of you have ever been trusted with something and it deteriorates the minute you touch it? That's the ministry of the enemy trying to destroy your real calling because your calling, my friend, is this. God left the job 
not completely done. He left it in a raw material form because whatever outcome was going to come out of the work he had left on the earth, you were going to participate in bringing the best out of it. You're called to cultivate. Every skill that you have latent, what I mean is that it's a hidden skill. You are supposed to work it until you become better. A lot of people don't have work ethic and that's the problem, you see. So they never really, they never really maximize on anything. They constantly, you know, just wing it with everything. Half, half. Look at David, and I'll tell you one thing about David. David was what you might consider a polymath. He was a multi-level genius. But do you know why? He was a genius at multiple levels because everything he did well, it required acquiring a skill. That means that it required his concentration, his dedication, and him going over and over it again. A lot of people think that he killed Goliath with a stone. He didn't kill Goliath with a stone. He didn't even stun Goliath with a stone. He hit him with a skill. That took probably years to master. I have to look after my sheep. So maybe the first day, miss. The second day, hits him. That if you've ever tried to, to use a sling, it's not... What I just said is not far-fetched. It happens a lot. How many of you have ever done that? We've used slings in Africa. Oh, you hit yourself so many times. You, 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 you know, you just want to throw that thing away. But what did he do? Time. Time. Why time? Because God gave me a gift as a raw material. And my responsibility, I'm going to keep on practicing. Keep on practicing. Why? Because maybe someday, I don't know when, my name might be called out. And when I come from the shadows, people will call you an overnight success. That's why anybody that has ever achieved any success will tell you this. It takes a lifetime to become an overnight success. You will be revealed to the public in one moment. But what you've been working on for 20 years in hiddenness, 20 years when nobody cared, you could sing, nobody wanted to invite you in hiddenness, singing, the discouragement. Maybe I should quit. Maybe I should just get a regular job. All, blah, 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 all that battle, all that battle. And then all of a sudden, from this from what we know about you right now, what we may know about you two years from now, my brother, you may not be able to recognize who you are right now. But what it takes is this. For all of you that were in the worship, what it takes is this. Is what are you doing with that latent gift that God has given you? Lots of Christians think, I, they can sit on it and, or two, they can pray about it. I'll just pray. Lord, uh, I pray for an open door. I said, no, your gift will make room for you. Not your prayer, your gift. What's your gift is that which you've worked on until there's a demand for it. So what did David do? He did not wait to be appointed a leader. He did not wait for, no, he practiced in private. Until he was getting more and more accurate, more and more accurate. He was a young man. How many hours did he dedicate to that? I don't know. Many. What are you doing, Money? Hey, you should do something else. Why? I've got to look after my father's sheep and the best way I can do that is to learn how to protect them from the lion and the bear. And the only way I can do it is I'm going to acquire the skill that preserves them. He thought he was practicing for his sheep. He didn't know he was actually practicing for God's sheep. The nation of Israel. Until one day he comes up. He looks young. He looks like a novice. He looks like he has no skill whatsoever. Ah, it's just this boy. He's a shepherd boy. He smells like sheep. When you, when you hang out with sheep, you can smell like him. And the only thing is, you are the only one who doesn't know that. You know, everybody else knows. I'm like, dude, dude, you're ponging. And he's like, there. He didn't come dressed for the occasion. He was just supposed to bring some food to his brothers. First Samuel chapter 16. Then he hears this giant that's like a huge target. 
He's like, I used to eat stuff smaller than that. This dude, you can blindfold me and I won't miss. And he was defying the armies of God. You lousy Hebrews, you cowards, you blinkety blink, blinkety blink. And then David says, why isn't anybody taking care of this monstrosity? And he said, he's too big, you cannot overcome him. He's like, said, no, he's too big, I can't miss. <laughs> All that territory there. <laughs> I've been practicing, man. So even his brother said, you know what, you're, you, you know, you, you, you're prideful. You think you know something. You think you're, no, he says, we see what you don't know. You're seeing a young man just showing up for the first time. You don't know what I've been doing in private, sir. You don't know how many hours I've dedicated to my craft. You have no idea. You don't know about the, the many times I've been discouraged thinking this skill will never be useful to anybody. Give me a shot at this. I'm used to this. How will you wear my armor? No thanks. You keep your armor. If your armor worked, sir, you would use it. Right? So, uh, take my armor. Uh, uh, if it worked, it would have worked for you. Let me do what I'm good at. Let me do what I've been doing in private. To no applause. Nobody was, was singing songs about me as I was doing it. But I was working on a skill. Because I felt if the Lord gave me the ability to sling a shot, then I'm going to do the best I can in doing that. So no, David did not kill Goliath with a stone. He hit him with a skill acquired in private. He hit him with a craft he worked on when nobody was watching. And that's why the Bible says your gift will make room for. It says, observe a man who is good at his work or is excellent at his work. You will stand before kings. You won't stand before insignificant people. A lot of us have latent gifts we never cultivate because we think that you are called to many other things. No, your first assignment is to cultivation. Cultivating the Garden of Eden is no longer there. There's a garden within you. There's a, set of, a garden that God planted within you. And that's the garden he wants you to cultivate. First stone. Goliath did not see that coming. He had grand ideas about his last day in battle. He was kind of like Lieutenant Dan, right? He thought he was going to die, you know, with the army approaching and him. No, 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 no. He was hit with a pebble right here. That's the last thing he saw. And that's when he thought he was warming up for the fight. Okay, now let's... Done. What? Game over. <laughs> Why? Because a young man had been working on a skill. Because he saw a little bit of a gift that God gave him. And in private, he worked on it. At the same time he was working on that, he was working on the harp. Why? He was becoming skillful. Anyone that has ever worked in music knows this. Yeah, maybe you do get a savant every, every here, and, here and there who's just a natural. They pick up the, the piano, they can just play. Everybody else, my goodness, you know the time you put in. It takes time. It takes a lot of discouragement to master a skill until you're good enough to do it. It takes time. But what did David do? He practices that in private. Did he think he was ever going to make it big with a harp? Probably not. But because it was a skill that was given to him latent, he knew that his responsibility was to cultivate it to its utmost expression, not knowing that that's what was going to bring him into the palace. Because when Saul was overcome by a demon, he says, give me a young man who's skilled as a musician. And they said, you remember that guy who was skilled with a sling? Yeah. Apparently, that's not the only thing he was working on. He plays a mean harp. He said, bring him here. When the king will be overcome. Wow. Now, a lot of us, we want to be like that, but you will not put in the time on any, any skill. Some of you are average speakers. 
And you'll always be average because you think that you somehow enter into greatness because the spirit will move on you. No, you've got to put in the time. What are you working on right now? What is your hand on right now that you're bringing to its highest peak and its highest level? You're called to cultivate your relationships, wherever your, your family, your, your husband, your wife, you are to cultivate them. Ma'am, if your husband is still at the same level he was when you met him, you got, you got, you got to do your job. Your job is to make him better. His job is to make you better. You to cultivate one another to your ultimate expression because two is better than one is what the Bible says. For your children, they are blessed because they were born in your house. Why? They were born in the house of a cultivator. What is a cultivator? One who takes a latent gift and takes it to its highest expression. That's your initial assignment more than anything else. I want you to keep what I gave you and to work it, to cultivate it. The dilemma between David and Saul is simply this. I'll show you this. If you go to 1 Samuel, I'm talking about leadership as well, right? Let's look at leadership. 1 Samuel, I believe it's in chapter 14, and it's going to be the last verse. What does it say? And there was hard fighting, verse 52, and there was hard fighting against the Philistines all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw any man, strong man or valiant man, he attached him to himself. What did Saul do? Saul found people that were skilled. How did those people fare under Saul? They deteriorated. Why? That's 1 Samuel chapter what? Chapter 14? When does Goliath show up? 1 Samuel chapter 16, two chapters later. That means that he had some of the hardest working fighters, some of the most gifted men in Israel were in the army that was failing to face Goliath. But what? He never equipped them. How do I know? There were only two swords in Israel. One on Saul and one on his son, Jonathan. He had all those capable people who came to him with massive skill and they deteriorated this. I've been to churches like that. Where gifted people come in, they get dumbed down. I've been to that church that is afraid of gifted people. So gifted people surrounded Saul. If he saw that you had a skill, he wanted you on his team. Except this, by the time you were done, you were a nobody doing nothing. What was the David? Exactly the opposite. Who came to David? Men that were what? Broke, in despair, in debt, and discontented. And what happened? They became mighty men. Wait a minute. So Saul had mighty men that became broken and discontented. David had discontented men. What is that? It's a different way to look at things. Why? One has acquired the skill to make things better. So David says, if you associate with me, bro, at this level, by the time I'm done with you, I want you on top of the mountain of your destiny. Because I don't hang out with people that just want to chill out in the valley. I'll make you uncomfortable. Because I'm going to challenge you to be the best you can be. Why? I'm called to cultivate. I'm called to cultivate, and that's what you and I are called to do. When people associate themselves with you, do they become... Now, anyone I pick, let me pick all our heroes. All our heroes. What happened when Joseph went into the house of Potiphar? Potiphar never had to worry about anything. And this was Potiphar's testimony. I have, I have multiplied ever since this kid came into my house. What is that? That is the anointing of a, a cultivator. I make things better, sir. When he went into prison, they would leave the prison doors open. Why? Nobody would escape because Joseph was in charge of the prison. 
When Daniel was taken, in, he was taken in, in chains into Babylon. What did he become? He became the head of the Magi or the head of the wise men that Nebuchadnezzar had. Why? Because they came there with the anointing that makes things better. And you're called to the same thing. Where does your, how do you activate this? First of all, you need to know that it's available. When the Lord wanted to change the world, did he take the PhDs? No. He went and found the fishermen. And he what? And he gave them the same anointing I'm talking about. He says, watch this. Do you know that Peter most likely couldn't read? If you read what was likely the culture of the New Testament, you'll find out that Koine Greek, that was common Greek that was spoken, was only spoken by some that were learned or that were of Greek culture. Those Hebrews that were there like Peter and those guys probably spoke Aramaic. So it's quite possible that with the first letter that Peter wrote, he didn't write himself, he dictated it to somebody. Because there's a lot of letter that says, oh, this one I wrote in my own hand. Like he was proud of himself. I finally learned how to write. So why would the Lord pick fishermen who don't know how to read or write and cause them to lead? Because they know how to work on something until they master it. And they understand that their calling is to make things better. And so what they do is that they begin with nothing at all. And by the end of their lifetimes, they turn the world upside down because of the anointing of the cultivator. Make things better. Come from a continent. One of the most, you know, egregious things about Africa was this. We fought against colonialism. No, we don't want colonialism. We are given the country and it deteriorates under us. Come on, India. Amen. When instead of that, we should have made everything better. We fight against colonialism. What did the Americans here do? They fought against colonialism. They kicked out the British and what? And built up the mightiest nation on the planet right now. It went the other way. What are you doing with what you have? I don't ask about what you don't have. I don't care about what you don't have. You're not responsible for what you don't have. I'm talking about what you do have. What have you done with it? What are you doing with it? Are you sharpening it? Are you making it available to others? Are you impacting others with the overflow of your gift? Because let me tell you this, that is the greater act of worship than anything else we do. Because worship in the Hebrew, avoda, is the same word for work. Same word, work and worship, same word. Because God is most glorified in the outcropping of the work of your hands. That's how you give him worth. How is the genius of God being exemplified in your life? Are we doing okay? Don't be upset at me. I'm just, I'm just a messenger. Amen. If you want to fight about this, pick it up with the Lord. I'm just a messenger. Make things better. Make things better. Where do I begin? Where you are? What do I begin with? What you have? Make things better. If the Lord has given you a voice, you know, I was intrigued, but at the peak of, of, um, of Winston, uh, Whitney Houston's career, at the peak of her singing career, I'm talking about when she was the most sought after singer, she had a voice coach, B.B. Winans who used to take her through the ringer. He used to force her to do scales when she didn't want to do scales. He used to touch, you know, force her to, 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 to expand her range in octaves when she didn't want to do it. So when she was on top of her game, she was also working harder at her skill when she was right on top of her game. This work is not for lazy people, man. What are you doing with the skill you have? If you tell me I'm a skilled musician, I'm going to ask you, how many hours do you put in a week to master your craft? 
I'm already good at it, really. I know people better than you that practice every day. There was that thing that they talked about, you know, a concert pianist was one of, he was just an ace, one of the top of the top, you know, top. And he says, how often do you practice? He says, every day. He says, well, he says, why? He says, you see, if I don't practice for a day, the people won't notice. But if I don't practice for a day, I notice. Yeah, the people will still think I'm good. But I will know. I will know. Work on that gift. I'm not supposed to be preaching, my brother. This is not the thing I'm supposed to be doing. Because I had a speech impediment when I was younger. If I got nervous, I used to start. I used to start horribly. And all of you that have heard me say this are probably tired of hearing me say this. The last thing I would have been doing with my life is speaking for a living. It's the last thing. Because I was gifted a lot of things. This one, this one was, was not such a good gift. But one thing that I had, the Lord had given me a desire to learn. And, and I decided to share what I've learned with others. So what happened? I was second last year of high school. My principal asked me, hey, Felix, I want you to come up on stage at a public speaking competition. You don't have to compete. I just want you to announce the speakers. Up until this day is probably one of the worst days of my life. The room was filled with, what, 1,400 people? There were all these young public speakers that had been practicing. And all I had to do was to get up there and announce, next on stage is Justin from Zion, and his topic is breakthrough. That's all I had to say. I got up on stage, and I was hit with old-fashioned classic stage fright, which means what? A complete restriction of my air passages. <laughs> you guys are laughing. It wasn't a joke. I literally almost passed out. So I started shaking. And I thought I was shouting on top of my voice. You see, I thought I was speaking loud. So I said, next coming on the stage. <laughs> this is Justin from Zion. And, and this topic. And I'm like, you're too loud, Felix. Tone it down. This topic is. And then I look up. And everybody's like. Okay. Announcement. I said, announce it. So one of the principals came up and says, speak up. Nobody can hear you. What's the matter with you? Right there. Almost did a number one. I was about to pee on myself. It was that bad. <laughs> well, by, by the time the night was over, they escorted me off the stage and they said, it's okay, we'll never ask you to do this again. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. I looked out in the audience trying to find my friends. I couldn't see anybody looking at me. All my friends were like this. <laughs> After that, a good friend of mine walks up to me and says, Felix, bro, 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 don't you ever embarrass us like that again. Dude, you're good at other things. You don't have to do the public speaking thing. You're good at other things. Stick to what you're good at. I couldn't sleep that night. I plummeted into the worst depression I've ever had. I was borderline suicidal. I didn't want to show my face in public anymore because I'd embarrassed my school, I'd embarrassed my principal, I'd embarrassed the competitors, and I'd embarrassed my friends. And in my heart, I just actually vowed, Lord, please, I'll do anything for you. Just don't ask me to do this. You know, I'll work a job, I'll get in business, and I'll give to the church. What does the Lord do? He goes back and he says, How's that information you're getting? I said, I got some good nuggets. How's the one-on-one -on -one people you're sharing with? Lord, they're loving it. I need you to impact more people. Get up and speak. I was talking to the group earlier that leadership has got to do with not life but death. Okay, you've got to die to live. That's what the cross is for. It's to kill the ego. It's to kill the part of you that wants my way or that. No, that stuff is going to die. Meaning you've got to learn to obey God when you don't feel so good. 
All these youngsters that want to jump on stage and preach, you all need to sit down sometimes. Some of you that hate, you don't even want to do it. Maybe you're called to it. Because you know why? Because there are times when the Lord hides your greatest calling in the place of what appears to be your greatest incompetence. That's what he did with Abraham. What was Abraham called to do? To be a great statesman? Not quite. Called to be a father. What is the one thing he couldn't do? That very thing. Why? He knew how to then lean on the hand of God for that outcome. He knows that when he had Isaac, they had nothing to do with me and Sarah. This was all God. So the Lord says, get behind there. And ladies and gentlemen, here's what I began to do, what I had to do. I had to dress up in my suit, in my room, in front of a mirror, pick up my Bible, and begin to preach. I preached to myself for months before I ever preached in public. And when I was in Bible college, my roommate would see me get dressed and he would leave the room because I used to then force him to be the audience, you know, and then I would preach at him, I would lay hands on him and you fall out on the power of God, I will take an offering, I will spend the offering. Hours and hours in front of a mirror learning how do I hold myself, how do I use language, how does so and so speak, how does my pastor speak, work on it Felix, work. if you're going to do it, if you're going to do it, you better do it well. You better do your best. And people think that oh, the anointing will just wave on you and all of a sudden you're operating at a certain level. Come on man, whoever tells you that is trying to sell you something. Behind closed doors with nobody present but you and God, you work on your skill, you work on it. You work on it, you work through the disappointment, you work on it, you work on it, you work on it. And I began to preach to my youngsters. And I, I thank God that I, I was given the, the little kids to preach to, you know. So I learned to be quick on my feet. Because those kids have an attention span of like a second, you know. I remember one time I'm preaching up and I'm thinking I'm getting through. I'm getting through. And that, in that time, you know, my, my teeth, before my teeth were fixed, I used to have teeth that were facing all over the place. I'm preaching up a stomach. And one of the kids says, Pastor Felix. I'm like, I think they get it. I really think they get it. Says, Can I say something? Say, sure, Loretta. Say something. He says, your teeth are crooked. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, they're not getting it. I need another illustration. I said, well, you got flat feet, but nobody's complaining. I had to throw something at her, you know. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so the whole idea was this, though, behind closed doors, behind closed doors, behind closed doors, preaching to my youth. And the day of my breakthrough, you want to talk about breakthrough, it happened because every time I used to get an invitation, I would get sick to my stomach. Pastor, can you come and preach for us? Oh, God, please. Lord, please don't make me do it. Lord, I don't want to do this. Lord, please don't make me do it. And I'll feel the spirit of the Lord say, you love me, don't you, boy? Yeah, die to yourself. Go and help my people. And everybody thought I loved preaching. Hated it. Hated everything about it. Could not stand it. Would have been happy not doing it. Until what? Until one day. Because by forcefully going and going at it again. Going at it again. Sharpening it in private. Doing my best in public. Sharpening it in private. Doing my best in public. I was preaching to my youth on a Saturday morning. And talking about it was Saturday night. Speaking on the anointing of Saul. First Samuel chapter 10. And the spirit of the Lord shall come upon you. And you shall be turned into another man. And as I was saying those words, and the spirit of the Lord shall, 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 shall come upon you and you shall be turned into, boom, something happened in me. And I heard for the first time in my life, the words coming out of my mouth with no stutter. I was like, whose voice is that? Preaching up a storm. There was no skip between my mind and my mouth. It was like the fusion had taken place. When? After hours, after months of bungling through it and working in private, I'm saying cultivate now I'm booked full time. Some of you may think, I don't think you're that great a speaker. Well, God bless you. But you know what? I, I don't call people to come preach. They call me. I didn't call you all. You called me. So there must be something about this speaking gift that you value. But I'm telling you, it wasn't like this in the beginning at all. If you had heard me in the beginning, you would never invite me. 
You'd have been smarter than that. What's, what point am I trying to make? What are you doing with your gift? My brother, did you write the spoken word that you gave? Do you present that anywhere? We're going to have to make a plan here. I was blessed by it. There are millions out there like me. You understand? Millions out there like me. Let your friends create music. That's your music that you put behind there and speak that out and find a platform when you can bless the rest of the world with it. You never know. This can become your livelihood. And I'm saying this prophetically. Yeah. How about some of you here? What is it? Some of you are great at giving advice because the Lord has given you an ability to just see life in a way that is solution-based. How much time do you put on that? If I was to ask you, I, wanna, I just want to get very practical with you right now. If I was to ask you, what are you researching? What are you reading right now? What would you share with me? What book do you have on your library you're working on right now? When you drive from work, what book are you listening to? What are you doing to improve yourself? Most people are just listening to some music and, some, and they listen to the news. I feel bad for you. If, you play, if, you, if you're spending hours watching the news, what a waste of a life. Improve yourself. You know why? Because you give worship to God. You give worth to God by maximizing the latent gifts that he gave you. I'll take you to, watch this. Matthew chapter 25. Can you turn there? Are you guys doing okay? Yeah. There's a parable that you're all familiar with. I was, I used to be a little bit, I used to have a hard time preaching from a certain portion of this particular parable, even though a lot of preachers love it. I had a hard time with it. I'll let you know exactly what. Um, Verse 14. And it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents. Now we always say talents and it just works out great that it's about give. No, this was measures of wealth. This man literally partitioned his wealth and he gave to his servants. But watch. To one man he gave five talents. To another man two. To another one according to each one's ability. So he gave portions of his wealth. Now Jesus is just teaching about the kingdom of God. So what he's teaching about is how God operates. God gives you according to the ability he knows he gave to you. To one, he gave five measures of his wealth. Another, he gave three measures of his wealth, or two measures rather. And to another, he gave one measure of his wealth. He never issued any instructions of what to do with it. Why? Because the call to cultivation is supposed to be natural for a human being. It's supposed to naturally occur to you that if it's been given to me, my job is to make it better. You don't need a sermon on that. That has to be your, your, your proclivity. So now he went away, didn't give instructions, didn't give instructions. The other servants knew this. They knew this sermon that I'm trying to teach you. So immediately he went to improve what he had. He doubled the five, he made it ten. The other guy doubled the two, and he made it four. And after a long time, the master came back. Now notice, what is this parable about? It's the parable about the kingdom of God. What is it saying? It's giving you the inner intelligence of what God does and how he works with people. He gives you something and he steps back and watches what you do with it. And when the time comes into full fruition, he comes back and he says, and he gives an account. All of us, when we talk about judgment day, what's judgment day? It's the day we have to give account to what we have done with what was given us. Because God is an amazing bookkeeper. He knows how to balance his books. He knows what he gave you. 
and you'll come one day and you'll say, what did you do with it? Well, anyway, the, 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 he comes back and the, the first guy says, hey, Master, wow, you know, listen. Let's, let's see what it says through the scripture here. Um, it says, and, and then he went away, verse 16. And he who had received five talents went at once and traded, traded them. And he made five more. He doubled what he got. He made it better. So he had, uh, so with the one who had two talents, he made two more. But he who had received one talent went and dug it in the ground, which is what most people do. Right? They think, as long as I don't lose it, I've done well. No. If you don't cultivate it, it's as good as losing it before God. Are we Okay. Reading right along. And it says, and he will receive five, five talents came and said, Master, I mean, verse 20, you delivered to me five talents. Here I've made five more. And his master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I'll set you over much. What does that mean? Excuse me. That this was a test. What was the test? The master had territory you wanted governed. And he needed to know who to appoint to that territory. So he gave a portion of his wealth and he stepped back and he waited to see who would multiply that. It was not just about doubling what the master gave you. It was because he had a higher calling and he needed to know what you would do with little was symptomatic of what you do with much. A lot of people say this, I will do great things for God. You know, Lord, if I can strike that deal and make a million dollars, then I'll give to the poor. And I'm here to tell you, if you will not give the little that you do have right now, you will not give when you get the plenty. The Lord never judges you on the hypothetical breakthrough when you get it. He'll always judge based on the little that you do have right now, right now, in this moment. That's the test. For some of you, the thing that you think is your harvest is not your harvest, it's just your seed. You're still in seed form. You have not been launched into the fullness of what God has for you. He's still watching what you're doing with the opportunities given you right now because his eyes are set elsewhere. He wants to expand your territory to bigger territory. So he's watching. That's what happened to David. When, David. when God wanted to make David king, what did David give him? What did God give David? First of all, he gave him sheep. What did David do with the sheep? He looked after them amazingly. How do I know? Because a lion came and grabbed one lamb, one. And what did David do? Cut his losses? No. He ran after the lion. Why? He did not even want to lose one lamb. How many of you have ever had lamb chops? Like there are a palate cleanser. They're so tiny. You know, you don't feed on that. You can have, it's like, it's gone. So really, in as far as meat value is concerned, I let the lion have it. You know, I got some more. That's what you would say. That's why you were not called to be king. David says this. I'm not about the spirit of attrition. You don't put me in charge of something and I lose. I am not about that. I am not about the spirit of attrition. No enemy, you cannot come here and lunch on my stuff. I don't play that game. So he ran after the lion, he says. And I withdrew the lamb from between his jaws. And when this lion rose up against me, David said, I grabbed it by the beard and I beat it to death. And he was a teenager when he did it. And then the bear, because he happened to be hibernating, he didn't get the memo. That you don't go mess with that guy's sheep. So the bear comes, oh, I'm going to go grab a lamb. Same fate. What was, where was heaven? Watching. The Lord saying to the angels, can you see this kid? We haven't even given him much. All we gave him was some dirty sheep and a lamb. Look at how well he's looking after them. When the day comes for me to look for a champion over my people Israel, I know whose house to go to. 
Because some of you right now hate your job, hate the work you're doing, allows it that you show up late, you stay late for, you know, later for lunch, and you speak bad about your boss. And you think that that is, you know, your ministry is what's happening in the church. No. Colossians chapter uh, 3 and verse, I think, 23. Whatsoever your hands find to do, do with all your heart as unto the Lord, not as unto men. You've never worked for a human being in your life. Every job you've ever had, you were working for God. You just didn't know it. So it was the way that David looked after his father's sheep is what then qualified. So the Lord says, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks after sheep, okay. Let's give him some disgruntled dudes that are just aimless in life, that are just walking around, you know, that spend every little cent they have, including money they don't have. Are they in debt? Yeah. Are they totally messed up? Yeah, send them to David. Let's see what he does with them. So he sends 400 of the brokest guys you've ever met in your life to the cave in Adullam, and David became captain over them. So what does David say? Just as I look after the sheep, I'm going to look out for you guys. Sorry, dude. If you want to remain the way you are, I'm probably the wrong person to hang out with. Because I want, to, I want you to be better than what you are right now. So what am I going to do? I'm going to require you guys to, hey, get your money in order. Don't owe everybody. Pay back your loans. Do the best you can. Why? Because if you associate with me, you're not going to be a disappointment. I want you to do better. And he says, you Shama, yeah. Dude, do you know that you can fight? Do you know that you're a warrior? I've never really fought in my life. Work with me. What does David do? He models leadership with him. When they go into battle, they go to battle with this young guy. And they're watching him fight. And then it begins to bring the greatness out of them. These men became so, so, so powerful that one of his mighty men, the Bible says, jumped in a pit on a slow, snowy day and killed a lion. Why? Because it was Thursday. That's what he did on Thursdays. He's bored. Right? The game is not on tonight. Ah, I'm going to go kill a lion in a, in a pit on a snowy day. Is it snowing? Yeah. Is there a lion? Yeah. Is it in a pit? Yeah. Okay. How did you become so confident you were broke, discontent, and despair? I came around a guy who cultivated me, sir. He made me believe that there was more to me than what my life was. My family had counted me out. My teachers had said, you'll never succeed. My siblings had said I was a disappointment. And I came around the son of Jesse, and he convinced me that I'm a warrior. I fought in battles with him and I found out I can fight. Shama took a sword and stood in the middle of a field of beans and defended a field of, not a field of kids, beans, lentils. If anybody's ever eaten lentils. At nighttime, your spouse knows. That's what I'm going to say. Why would you give your life for a field of lentils? Well, they're my lentils. They're just a field of beans. Yeah, dude, I didn't even know I could fight like this. But you know what? I'm like my, I'm like my leader, David. Nobody comes to take my stuff for the, for the sake of it. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to just let you walk in here and take my, my beans without my permission. These may be just beans, but they're my beans. So you all cannot have them. The Bible says he fought so hard until the sword became embedded in his hand. They literally had to surgically remove the sword. It was so tight in his hand. These were now called the mighty men of David. David did not achieve what these men achieved in battle. They eclipsed their leader because that's the way it's supposed to be. Those that are under you are supposed to do better than you, go further than you because you're a cultivator. You multiply. Are we okay? The guy that had the two now had four. And that's when the master showed him, hey man, it wasn't about this at all. I had territory, vast territory. And I needed to put a person in charge. 
You just proved to me you're my choice. A number of years ago, I was speaking uh, and getting training in the, in the speaking circuit, in just a, the motivational speaking circuit. And I was being trained by one of the, the top speakers in the world, really, uh, Les Brown. And, um, and one of the gentlemen that was part of our, our group was an amazing man. And he owns two McDonald's franchises um, on one of the busiest streets in Chicago. But the way it happened was this. He was a VP of a local, uh, I think it was QS at that time, which was like a telecoms company. He was a VP there. He was making, pushing, it wasn't much. It was 80, maybe 90 a year, doing well. But he loved to work to serve on tables. So he had a friend that owned a restaurant. So every Saturday, which was his day off, he will put on his apron and he will go and help his friend serve. But he served so well, you see, because he remembered the customers' names. He'll be like, hey, Mr. So-and-so, how's the wife doing? You know, last, last week you told me she wasn't feeling, oh, no, she's doing well. Hey, your table, usual table is ready. Come over and say, is it, is it the usual? Yeah. And you'll serve this couple every single Saturday. He didn't even know who they were. There was just an elderly couple that came and sat down at this table. Well, one day he didn't show up to work because he was busy with other things. So they called the manager and they said, sir, um, where is that young man that serves us every Saturday? He says, oh, he's actually not a waiter here at all. He's a VP of one of the local companies here. He just loves serving people and waiting on tables. So he comes and helps me out on Saturday. He says, give him my number. Can you get him to call us? He says, who are we? He says, I'm the vice president of the McDonald's Corporation, and this is my wife. And we have two franchises that are open. We will not charge him franchise fees. We will cover his franchise fees. But we believe that he can have this and he can run. It, because it, you, franchise fees for McDonald's, what, several million dollars? They literally said, open this kind of an account, do this and do that and do that, and they wired money to him, and he has two of the, he didn't pay a dime for him. It's pulling in a couple million a year. Why? Because he waited tables very well. And he didn't know who he was serving. He just did it well. One of the most, uh, one of the highest paid speakers that I was in, a, I think his name was Rene, he was a Haitian guy. He actually, you know, he had come into the country illegally way back when, when as a kid, and um, eventually got his, his paper straight. But, but what he was was that because he couldn't get into the main, he started serving at, 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 um, at hotels, and he was the bellman at a hotel. It ended up in one of these four-star hotels, five-star hotels, in Bellman at this hotel. He'll sit there, he'll look sharp, he'll greet everybody, and he made sure that he knew the customers, the regulars that were there. How are you doing, Mr. So-and-so? How are you doing, Mr. So-and-so? How's everything? And all this, and talking to them, until one of them that was going there was Mark Victor Hansen. Mark Victor Hansen was a guru in the speaking world back in the day. He's the one who wrote the chicken soup for the soul. Him and Jack Enfield. And they said, this man is amazing, man. And they said, have you ever tried speaking for a living, sir? We will train you. Do you know how much corporate America would, would, would pay Rene? They would call him for a 60-minute presentation. He was a $20,000 speaker. To come and give a 60-minute talk, they'll pay him $20,000. That's what he became. He wrote books, traveled solidly, was booked in Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies, teaching customer service. But what happened? He was, he was a, a bellman at a hotel. Just... Just doing the best again, not complaining about, well, you know, when I get my breakthrough, then I'll be happy. For some of you think that when God does give you a breakthrough, that's when you'll be happy. No, you, he will give you your breakthrough because you are happy. Because you're looking after the ship with the best heart you have. Because you're looking after those 400 disgruntled guys with the best, because how, what was the trajectory of David? First the sheep, then the 400 men, then the tribe of Judah. And only after that, at age 40, that's where the Lord says, now you can rule Israel. He didn't wake up one day as king over Israel. It took years of being faithful with the little 
that he had. What are you doing with what you have? I got nine minutes and I'm going to be done. I want to challenge you. What are you doing with what you have? Some of you are sharp and you're bright. Some of you can write, but you're not writing. Some of you can song write, but you're not writing songs. You're singing other people's songs. You know, some of you, you know, you're, you're solution providers, but you're offering no outlet for your gift whatsoever. You're waiting for people to come find you instead of working on your gift and making it available. Some of you are gifted in the spirit of, in, in, in the ministry of helps and hospitality, but nobody's benefiting from that. You're not hosting people in your home, even though you're an amazing host. What are you gifted? What are you doing with it? Because everything God has given you currently is the test you are on for what he has called you to do ultimately. He is watching you right now. Felix, I don't know where to start. Start where you are. Dude, I don't know what to start with. Start with what you have. Where you are with what you have. The Lord came to Moses. Mo, yes, Lord, um, I'm going to send you to Egypt to go rescue my people. Ah, you know, Dad, um, can you give that to somebody who actually wants to do it? No, I'm going to give it to you. That's your assignment. Hey, Liz, were you rescued as a baby? Yeah. Did you grow up in the palace here? Oh, you thought that was for free? <laughs> no. Nobody knows Egypt better than you. Didn't you go to Egypt, you know, high? Yeah, I know I did. You read hieroglyphics, don't you? Yeah, they taught me in school. You know the system, don't you? I was trained in the system, God. Exactly. That's why I'm using you to go tear it down. That <sighs> was Moses. Reluctant. But Lord, with all your schooling, what have you become? I've become a shepherd, Lord. Okay, we can use that. Father, who shall, I, who shall go with me? Nobody. Okay, what weapon am I going to use against Pharaoh? Um, what are you? A shepherd. What's that in your hand? A shepherd's stick? That will do. Why? I'm not going to use something that's outside of your, your craft you're already in. I'm going to use your craft against that enemy. You will bring him down using your craft. You're a shepherd. We're going to use shepherd stuff. What is it like a, like a saber, lightsaber, shepherd staff? Not just a regular shepherd staff. What shall be the symbol of my victory? Shall it be the lion of the tribe of Judah? No. Shall it be the great eagle who God is? No. What are you, boy? I'm a shepherd. Lamb will do. You will break the back of Egypt with a lamb. Has it got superpowers? No. It's dead. Lord, how am I going to use a dead lamb against Pharaoh? Watch. Why? I will use your craft to bring you your greatest victory. A shepherd's staff and a dead lamb is what took down Egypt. That was it. He didn't go outside of his skill. He came and did what Moses had been doing for 40 years, was looking after the sheep of his father-in-law for 40 straight years. He was a good shepherd. He knew about how to, the Lord says, that's what we will use to bring down. Peter, yeah, I want to bless you with taxes for you and me. What are you, boy? I'm a fisherman. Okay, I want you to go back to your craft. And in your craft, I want you to 
pull down one hook, you shall catch a fish. It will have a gold coin in its mouth. Why did the Lord not send Peter into the shepherd's field? Because he wasn't a shepherd. Where did the Lord send him when he wanted to bless him? Back to his craft, back to fishing. And he says, you will go there and I'll give you supernatural results in the thing I've gifted you to do. That's how God works. That's why whatever you are doing right now, you better be doing it with all your heart as unto God, not as unto man. I said I wanted to pray for people. I may not do it on a one-on-one basis, but here's what I want to do. For some of you here, can you help me on the guitar there, bro? Just pray something light. For some of you here, you feel trapped because you feel like I have so much gifting in me. I just don't feel like I know what, how to express that. I, I don't know what to do with what I have. I want to pray that the Lord will release you, that that breakthrough that we're talking about this weekend shall be the release of the hidden gifts that are inside people. For some of you, you know that you're gifted and you know you have not given due time to that, but you want to make a commitment tonight that I'm going to work on my craft and whatever God has given me to do, I'm going to do it as worship unto him. I'm going to do it with all my heart and I want to make that statement right now that Lord, whatever you've given me in raw material in my lifetime, I'm going to invest myself fully to maximize it. Some of you just say, Felix, I feel like anything I touch crumbles. That's the enemy working. We need to rebuke that spirit. You work so hard, but you haven't got nothing to show for it. We need to break that thing in Jesus' name. So if you cover any of those bases that I just mentioned, and you want to come and get prayer and make a commitment, you're going to help me pray. And Pastor Sam as well, you're going to help me pray. I want you to come up right now so I can pray for you. If any of those things that I said, you said, man, I work so hard and I try so hard, it seems like nothing ever comes out. It's because the enemy is trying to attack the work of your hands. Or some of you that can say, Felix, I know I have not put in due time in my gift, but I'm going to make that, that commitment to do it from now on so God can maximize it. I want you to come up. I want to pray for you. I want the Lord to release you into the greatness of what he has for you. In the name of Jesus. For some of you that say, you know what? I want the, my work to be dedicated unto God. I want you to come up. Yes. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. I'm praying for a quality of excellence to touch the work of your hands. I'm praying for the, for the anointing of multiplication to touch your life and to touch the work of your hands. Can everybody just take one step forward, one step forward, so that those that come behind can come up. This does not work just in the natural things, but some of it will work on the supernatural stuff as well. Because some of you, the Lord has put a calling on your life. And you've been disturbed by just the pressures of life. Let's do business with heaven tonight. Your season of breakthrough is now. And as you're here, don't wait for you. Just have that conversation with the Lord. Talk to him right now. That Father, I give you my ability. I give you my gift. I give you the thing that you gave to me. I want to offer it back to you. Multiplied. 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 I've been punching below my weight. And Lord, I'm tired of that. I want to do better than I've ever done. The remainder of this year. And in fact, the next 12 months, Lord. Launch me. Launch me. Let me be a blessing. I refuse to wing it from this day forward. I will not wing it. I will give everything I do the best of my ability. And then I'll let you bless what remains, Father. Hallelujah. Come on. Have that conversation with the Lord. Father, bless your children. I pray that you may touch them with the spirit of excellence. Put the spirit of excellence on them, my God. 
Oh, those who the enemy has tried to keep down and has tried to confine them, has tried to bind them so that they cannot express the fullness of what God has. I pray that they may be launched into the fullness of what God has for them. In the name of Jesus Christ, make a way where there seems to be no way, Father. Make a way where there seems to be no way. The season of launching is now. Dedicate your gift to the Lord. Dedicate your ability to the Lord tonight. And say, Father, use me. Use me. I'm, I'm tired of playing small. I'm tired of playing small. I'm tired of playing it safe, Father. I'm tired of playing it safe. Call me to the water and I will walk on the water. Call me to the water and I will walk on that water, Jesus. I'm tired of living just in my comfort zone. I'm tired of that. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Expand my territory, Father. Expand my sphere of influence. I want to influence more people in the years that remain, that I've that affected in the years behind me. Expand my territory, Lord Jesus. Oh Lord, I long for the spirit of excellence, Father. The anointing that was on Jacob when he was in the house of Laban, where everything he touched multiplied. The anointing that was on Daniel when he was in the court of Nebuchadnezzar and in the court of Cyrus and in the court of Darius. Father, multiply the work of my hands, Lord. The anointing that was in Joseph when he was in Potiphar's house, when he was in the prison and when he was a prince in Egypt. Multiply me, Father. I want to make everything I touch better. I want to make it better, Lord. As worship unto you. Everything I touch, I want to make it better. As worship unto you. Come on, I need you to do business with heaven tonight. In the name of Jesus. You got to go aggressively over this. You got to go for it with everything in you. My brothers, help me pray. Amen. Help me lay hands and pray. And for your wife, I want to pray over you. Then I need you to help me pray for the girls, okay? So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, use your servant. I thank you, Father, that whatever she's committing to you right now, launch it. Maximize it. She knows that there is more to her life and more to the calling on her life than what she's walked into right now. But I thank you that you'll expand her territory. This is a mighty woman of God, Lord. So I thank you for the blessing of God on her life. Now help me to pray for the young ladies and may the Lord anoint you to do so. May the Lord use your gift and expand your territory. May you affect many lives, my bro. Many lives for the sake of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. May you work on your craft and make it better. As worship unto God. And then may the Lord launch you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Struggle, my brother. It's because the enemy wants to keep you content. May the Lord launch you that in the work of God, your sustenance will come. From the work of the Lord, your sustenance will come. So that you are not tripped up with the pressures of just trying to make it in this world. Knowing that there's an anointing and a calling in your life that the enemy is trying to contain. Amen. Everything that is fortune is from the supply of God in your life. We break that down right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And I declare that you are not free to the things that God has for you. I come against the spirit of struggle. I come against the spirit of poverty. We break it right now. We cleanse it out of your blood system right now. And I say that these hands shall be a blessing to men. That these hands shall feed men. Because it's in your heart to do it. In the name of Jesus Christ. Anoint your son, Father. 
Bring out the best. Bring out the best in him. Bring out the best in him. Bring out the best in him. Bring out the best in him, Father. Bring out the best. In the name of Jesus Christ, every gift dedicated unto the Lord. Bring out the best. Bring out the best. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ.
Come on, y'all. Let's worship together. Come on, lift up your hands. It's your breath. Oh, God. Oh, yes. I pray right now that the Lord expands your territory, my brother. What he has for you in the next stage, may it be bigger, may it be better, may it expand your territory. Because you have a heart after God, and you are humble before him. He's going to raise you up. He'll raise you up even further than what you've been. And you will know that he will connect you to what he has for you. It will make sense in your heart. And it will be a blessing in every way. In the name of Jesus Christ.
There's a tremendous move of Holy Spirit in our midst and I sense the presence of the Most High God. Father, I will do what you have asked me to do because it's your breath in my lungs. With what I have, I'm going to put it to work and I'm ready to cultivate because I know this is the season where you want me to flourish. And Father, with any enemy that come against it, Father, we are ready to use what we are having right now to move forward into the places where you want us to go, O oh Lord. We are ready, O oh Lord. Our church is ready, O oh Lord. Word of God says, Shamgar just had an ox god. And he was ready when the Philistines came against him. He said, no longer I will allow the Philistines to take over our highways. No longer, not under my watch. If I am here, not under my watch, the Philistines will conquer the highways. You have trampled my people for a long time, but no, not any longer. The word of God says, Deborah arose to fight against every spiritual darkness that came to quench the spirit of Israelites. She raised up a generation right there. And today I declare and decree in the name of Jesus that Deborah's will arise in the sanctuary. I declare and decree in the name of Jesus that David's will arise. Help us along with we tap into that resources that you are poured into our life. We will straighten our agendas to meet with what you have poured into our heart. Help us. We surrender and we submit ourselves. And everybody that is gathered here, O oh Lord, we declare your blessings over their life. And we really realize, God, that today, that we are the breakthrough that you have set us for. Because in us lives you. We thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for blessing our service tonight with your presence that has wrecked every person here. We ask that you will move mentally tomorrow during our morning's devotion, and morning service and evening service. We ask that you will move in tremendously in our midst during our Sunday morning service, Lord. Ask of your presence to fill this sanctuary. For you are great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' matchless name we pray. Amen. 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 Church, this is just awesome to hear from this man of God. And I know that there's a lot of people from other churches from Dallas City that are part participating in our um, conference and our fasting and prayer. Just want to encourage the other folks who are here from other churches. That from day one, when we started our fasting and prayer, the youngsters of our church were, were full with the Holy Spirit anointing. And they said, Pastor, can we come? We pray five in the morning. We started our prayer line five in the morning. And a lot of our youngsters from 
they woke up early in the morning after working after going to school and colleges they woke up early in the morning just to tap into what god wanted to do through us and i pray that our generation will be revitalized yet again because this is the hour that we have to stand out we're not called in to just fit in and i pray that together as a body of christ we will do the great work that lord has asked us to do and to all my the youth of our church zion i know and i believe in that this is our season to move into new territories and god has already anointed you god has already placed those giftings within yourself just look into yourself what god has given into you let's move forward because this city belongs to us this nation belongs to us what god has given us to cultivate it belongs to us and we will move forward the darts of the enemy will never overpower what god has already placed in our hearts we're ready to move forward and to the others in our city and our churches from visiting from different places wherever you go i pray that you will take this flame you will take this fire and and you will light up your churches your youngsters that together we will stand for this nation for our city we are better together we are stronger together and i pray that as body of christ we will stand together for a great work that the lord wants to do through us now may the lord smile over your life may the lord lead you and may wherever you walk into you become a victorious person through the anointing of our god almighty may the holy spirit may his holy spirit be the sweet communion that binds us all together in heavenly love may the lord continue to bless each one of you thank you for coming out to our breakthrough conference this year May the Lord be with all of you. Tomorrow morning, early morning we have our prayer line at 5 a.m. If you want to join our prayer line, it's on our social media. You can watch the you can look into the the conference number and the the login numbers. You can find the details or you can ask one of our volunteers right back. They will help you with that. 10 o'clock we start our morning service and Pastor Felix is going to minister to us. 7 o'clock in the evening again we start with a breakthrough. And I believe God is going to talk to each one of us. How many of you are really blessed tonight? Once again, as a pastor of the church, I'd like to welcome each one of you who are part of us today and tomorrow. Come out, invite your friends. Let's do it together. I don't care what church you go to. Let's do it together. In Jesus' name, let you be a blessing for everybody. God bless you guys. God bless you.
bun sandwich and a bag of